Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Empty backfield, four-man rush. And that is intercepted. It's the Marcus Lawrence down the sideline. He goes. And look at that. Into the end zone. Boy, I tell you, if it's not Diggs, it's not Parsons, it's not Gregory, don't forget about that guy. Demarcus Lawrence with the touchdown. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Total domination from the Dallas Cowboys. They kick some ass. Beat the Washington football team. 56-14. It got to the point where I actually couldn't keep track of all the guys that were making plays. Everybody was making plays. Guys were coming off the bench. I think they were activating guys off the practice squad to make plays in this game. But don't worry, because we've got three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about it. So welcome in. It's about them Cowboys, the athletic I'm Kent, producing and welcoming in Saad Yusuf from The Athletic and the Ticket, from The Eagle and Sports and Such, your host, Kevin K.T. Turner, and of course, from The Athletic, the man who was at the game to witness it all, witness the murder, Father John Mishota. K.T., I think we know where we're going to start with this one. John, is it too early to say they're back? <laughs> who, who, who says that that doesn't just absolutely... Annoy the crap out of you. <laughs> yeah, like, I, really, I can't say that I know anyone in my circles that says that outside oh of me. I say that all the time. The only, the only way that, <laughs> the only way I enjoy that is the fact that now that anybody says that sports related, it's saved and uh, it comes right back when uh, they are awful at whatever they do. And I enjoy that. That's the part I really like. I know who says it. It's Longhorns fans. They say it all the time. Um, oh, there's a Sam Ellinger. There's a quarterback that wanted to say that after he had a rushing touchdown for the Panthers a few weeks ago, and he is most certainly not back. <laughs> well, let so him have his fun. About that. Keep but, pounding. But, but that's not, I mean, these are just two examples. There's a lot more. We just we have better things to talk about than that. We absolutely do, and uh, let's start with the offense getting on track. You, are we okay with that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good place to start. Um, you know, should we start it with the fact of who they were playing and it not being a good team? Okay, sure, so we could start it there, but just for how bad that this <laughs> offense has been for the better part of the last two months, you'll take that against any team because at least it shows that you're headed in a direction where it's like, okay, this isn't what we've seen the last few weeks. So uh, they have done, and here's their thing. It wasn't like it was just better execution. There was better execution, but you saw a little bit more variety. You saw that it wasn't going to be the same things. And, and I don't know how you would gauge uh, a quote-unquote creative play um but if you did that and went back this season i don't whatever your criteria is i i would feel strongly that they probably more happen when the cowboys are playing at home uh so i don't know if that's just a you know uh kellen moore thing or whatnot but there was just a lot more variety there than we have seen and then probably also helps the team you're playing you you feel like hey we can try some of this stuff right now if it doesn't work we're still winning this game but 
they just they finished better. They, they played a better second half. This game in the first half was no different than the game up in Washington. I mean, the game up in Washington had to feel like it was going to get this way too. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, hey, props to Taylor Heineke. He's a, he's a tough guy, but come on now. I mean, this is what we're doing here. This is this is going to be your franchise quarterback. Like, it just, I mean, you're just at a disadvantage. And the other thing after the game I was thinking about is just like, and I know I'm going all over the place here, but there's a lot to unpack with this. But uh, just the fact of like, can you imagine if in the middle of the game, NBC is just showing Randy Gregory taking a swing at Demarcus Lawrence? Like just, I mean, how dysfunctional, you know, things are going. The fact that they rolled in those silly benches for an indoor game, like they're just so easy to take shots at Washington. And you know what? This Cowboys team might take that and everything that happened there and just the way they played, this might be the spark that gets them on track. Uh, and, and it's certainly happening at the right time. And and so it, it if we're going to talk about the offense, I think all of it has to be begin with Dak Prescott because it was the Dak, that's the best Dak Prescott we've seen, whether it's the numbers, whether it's his mobility, everything he was doing, that's the best Dak Prescott we've seen since the calf injury. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that was the best version of Dak that we saw. But also, I think his his receivers were making plays for him. They weren't dropping passes. We this is literally exactly what we talked about on the last podcast of CD Lamb not dropping passes, allowing Dak to get in a rhythm um, and everything. And and once Dak got in a rhythm, I mean, it was it was boom, boom, boom. It's like he, he could do no wrong. And so um, I think it was it, it was a full. You know, it was a full operation. They were they were flowing, and they were flowing pretty seamlessly. And so, you know, from Amari Cooper getting involved from the beginning, which is also something that we mentioned on the last podcast, was like this is a home game again. Like Amari's home road splits. John mentioned, John, you mentioned that right off the top. It's not so much about uh, about like you know matchups and things like that as much as it is with Amari being home versus road. And uh, Amari was clicking from the beginning. C.D. Lamb wasn't dropping balls. Dalton Schultz was involved. I just think it was a complete full operation of just everything was hitting on all cylinders. And as hey, as much as the offense deserves credit for the way that they played, and it was outstanding, and and they should be proud of what they did. Let's. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I didn't watch that first series. And that first series looked a lot like the Cowboys we've seen uh, in previous weeks. And for I, I, that means a lot to me because generally speaking you know, teams usually get it going on their first series uh, because it's something scripted. You've worked on that particular series in practice. Uh, you know, the Cedric Wilson throwback to Amari Cooper, like that's, that's not Cedric Wilson going, now's a good time to do this. Like that was obviously something that they had, that they had worked on in, in a situation like that. So while the offense was great, you can make the argument that what sparked the offense was that Trayvon Diggs pick to sit there and on the very first play to pick it off and give it right back to your offense and, and that get that building going and, and which turned it into like, you know, a playoff game environment there. The place was rocking that helped the momentum so much in your favor. And then they obviously answered with that, with that touchdown drive right after that. But uh, one other thing though, too, and I, I didn't mention this in my story and I probably should have, but like, you know, I know we didn't believe it, but most people didn't believe the idea of like, oh, you know, the long, longer Zeke is removed from this knee injury, the better he'll look. He kind of has looked better the farther they've gotten from this knee injury while he's played through it because, yeah, he didn't have a 100-yard game, but I thought he looked pretty good last night. I was convinced we had like a maybe a lesser version of like a Todd Gurley situation where it's like, okay, man, the, the overusage is here. And he looked really good last night. Um, and I don't know how he would have looked if you would have given him, you know, 20 carries. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the difference would have been, but I thought he looked really good last night. And I think it's a, another positive sign 
Because I thought coming into this year, the way the Cowboys would win a lot of games would be by Dak throwing it 40 times and would be by running it 25 times to 30 times. I thought you could throw the ball and get ahead. There's a lot of things you have to throw out because of how bad Washington is. Going back to what you said, how long has it been? It's been since Deion Sanders, quite frankly, since you had a member of your secondary get everyone standing on their feet when a ball is thrown his way because there's utter anticipation of this thing might get intercepted. And I can't believe that they threw at him. I also thought it was it was interesting, you know, throwing it to Murray Cooper after his comments on the very first play of the game. That looked very intentional. But then, you know, you got up and, and the game was, was over so quickly because you just poured it on him. There's so many things you can talk about with the defense. I mean, the Demarcus Lawrence play. Micah Parsons made a number of plays. Randy Gregory made a number of plays. Like, it was all on. And I, what I end up forgetting is, man, Dak got sacked twice on that first drive. And, like, you forget about all that stuff. That kind of, like, it looked a little weird. But, man, I, I don't know I don't know where I'm at. Like, if I'm on this boat of, like, all right, they're back. And they got it figured out. And it took maybe going into some up-tempo stuff on the second drive. And let's carry that in against uh, Arizona. But one thing that hit me last night that I just, for whatever reason, have not taken into effect. I know we all acknowledge that this started in Den- against Denver, right? Or when Dak got hurt or whatever. But Denver is really where it started. I also don't think I took into account that they haven't played a home game in a month. I mean, how many teams do you see in December have three road games uh, on in a row? Like, that doesn't happen very often. Now, I know it was made up for them and they were able to take advantage of it when they had three homies in September right in a row, and they won all those games. But it, it it was a little oblivious to me, for whatever reason, that they haven't played a home game in a month. And I think that mattered, too, because you could kind of feel the energy even watching it on the TV broadcast, and I'm sure you felt it in the building. Yeah, there, there's no question about that, and it goes with the fact that this team, I feel like it just they play better at home than some previous Cowboys teams that might have been you know, close to this level of this team. I mean, it just makes you feel like, you know, more than some other years, them getting home at home field advantage as far as they can, if whether it's be they get the two seed, obviously they would love the one that really could play in for them because that helped in, in, in this game. It it kept the momentum going in the right direction. And it really snowballed on, on a Washington team that, you know, that, that could be a factor, particularly in their first round game. You know, I don't know once you get into the divisional round and, and into the, you know, NFC championship game, if you make it that far and you're able to host that game, whether it be because you got the one seed or the Packers got knocked off, you know, whatever team you, you're playing is not going to be scared about coming into any building. They're obviously going to be a team that's playing well. Uh, but that's a nice thing to have because I just don't, I don't get the sense um, since I've covered the Cowboys, it's been inside AT&T Stadium. And just from the people I've talked to about old Texas Stadium, I don't get the sense that there was a lot of years where you're just like, well, the Cowboys, man, they have just this amazing home field advantage. That's why, you know, you just don't want to go into that place. Like, yeah, every team has a home field advantage, but there's certainly the Seattles of the world that have a bigger, you know, Green Bay that have a bigger home field advantage than others. Uh, but it feels like the Cowboys have that. And when the offense is playing like that, and then you can get a touchdown from the special teams and a touchdown from the defense, like, you know, that's, that's, that's lighter fluid on on the entire thing, you know? And so, you know, there's no reason to sit there and think like, well, it's Taylor Heineke. Let's not enjoy this win. I mean, to do that against any team is impressive. I, I don't care if that team was, uh, you know, an Owen 16 Lions team. I mean, the fact that you were able to do that and just conti- continue to pour it on and everybody was still playing hard, uh, even though the game was, you know, decided for all intents and purposes, that says something about your team. That, that 
there's something that's impressive about that. Yeah, and I think one also thing with the uh, home uh, with the home home field advantage, uh, the graphic that they showed earlier in the game uh, on the TV broadcast with like the Cowboys red zone offense and the touchdown percentage. The, look, I mean, look, we, we even though they've struggled on the road and everything like that, the, this was just such a like such a wide disparity. The red zone offense being second in the NFL, seventy eight percent at home games, and thirtieth in the NFL, thirty four percent on road games. I think, like you know, when you look at just kind of something that that kind of is the uh, whatever you want to call it, I, I guess like you know the banner of just like how how, how it's been. I think that's something that kind of goes into it as well. So I think uh, I, I think it's kind of representative of just how the, the wider issue of how, how much of a difference it's really made for them this year. I kind of wonder but, when I was watching the game, like how much that Ron Rivera, now, now nothing against Ron. I mean, you just, all it would take is an unbiased person to look at these two rosters and go, yeah, Ron, you're at, you're at a significant disadvantage here, your place, the moon, whatever quoted Jason Garrett. Um, but I also think he tries too hard to, to spark stuff. Like, yes. you think that was an? You think that just Good. was a play design that they went after Trayvon Diggs? On? I mean, you just see things like that. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, what? I mean, I mean, yeah. There's something. Good. I guess if the, if the throw's perfect, <laughs> that that thing could go well. But like, what? You're, no, your Taylor Heineke is going to do that on the first play. Like, I understand that. Yet, yeah, you know, they had the. Uh, what's his name play on uh, oh, I can't think of his last name Cam uh, for for Washington there you know he had that play the fact yeah, that Cam they had Sims. that in their game script yeah, yeah Cam, Cam Sims, Sims yeah. had that big play up That's in so Washington and, and and he's such an impactful player that I, I couldn't remember his last name for a second so uh, yeah, I had no catches yesterday zero yeah, catches I, I just like Trayvon Diggs is, is <laughs> even if you don't respect his game the way he's playing he's clearly in a zone like why are you doing that be, at the beginning Dude. of the game you're saying what I've always been scared to say because A, for I think a lot of people like Ron Rivera and respect the crap out of him. B, I think beating cancer helped like helps your story a little bit, quite frankly. But more than anything, I've always said like when he when he took over that job in Washington, one of the most sickening things to me this offseason is how coming into the season, how many people were not talking about the Cowboys moonwalking into this division win. People were talking about, oh, Washington's going to be tough. And yeah, they've got some guys. I know Chase Young's hurt. They've had guys get hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, he'll... Dude, no. No, no, no. This is what they were always going to be. They were an eight or nine win max team. Always. Always. And I'm glad we're finally now seeing that. And I realize it's an easy thing to say in hindsight. But I have tons of receipts on this, on this podcast or whatever. Garbage team. Ron Rivera's not going to fix that. The same reason he never fixed Carolina. Yeah, he went to the Super Bowl, great. Had a couple good years, uh, good seasons. Ron Rivera's got a lot of losing seasons as a head coach. Yeah, and, I like and, Ron Rivera fine. Like, I, I just think like he's one of those guys like, oh, you can come be my defensive coordinator. And then meanwhile, he's got players who are teammates in college beating the crap out of each other on the sideline. Yeah, well, at Carolina, they had Cam at his absolute best. So if you told me that they got the absolute best version uh, of Deshaun Watson in his prime and, and Washington signed him, like I could see Ron Rivera turning that into a pretty good team. But, you know, you you have to have the guys. It, you, they don't have that guy. I mean, I watched that game and, and, and it's just this bludgeoning. And I'm sitting there thinking about how, you know, watching Green Bay the night before and, and just thinking like, I feel so bad for Terry McLaurin. 
Like if yeah, Terry dude. McLaurin is in Green Bay, he is an absolute household name. And, and sure, people that play fantasy and people that, you know, know football and watch a lot of football, they know who he is and they know he's a big play wide receiver and that. But like he has like no chance to show that for that team at all because they're just so bad. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you should be happy about this because, yeah, things can turn quickly in the NFL because it is a league of parity. But man, the other three teams in your division, like you are clearly head and shoulders above. And I'm talking about even after, as I look into the future with knowing the Cowboys are going to lose some of these guys in free agents, free agency, they won't be able to sign everybody, but just like until one of these teams even gets a quarterback that you start to even fear a little bit. And, and, and it's crazy to say this, but that streak should definitely be ending next year with the 17 consecutive oh years and no one's won the division back. That, that absolutely should the be the reason next it didn't year. end last, last year is because Dak was hurt. I mean, that's the only yeah. reason Washington won the division is because the Cowboys had no horses at the end. Why did so many, maybe side you can answer, why did so many local and national pundits think that Washington with Ryan Fitzpatrick was like dangerous? Well, they I were think scared of the defense, defense. the defensive line. Yeah. That defensive line yeah. on paper Everyone is pretty nasty. Everyone thought this was going to be a top yeah. five defense. They're not even a yeah. top half defense this year. So. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you felt like you had that bus driver who could like who could fall behind with the who could fall behind that defense and just kind of you know go a little bit like that. But I but yeah, I don't I don't think that it was ever that the offense was going to outduel anyone or anything like that. Um, but you know, to go back on the on the Trayvon Diggs thing real quick. Like I, I tweeted this right after that interception. It just felt like to take that shot and to take, to do, to run that play. It felt like they didn't watch any film at all this week, because when you, because if you're going to even go after Trayvon Diggs and look, I know they completed that pass on him, you know, that deep post on him, like on the left side, a little later in the game. But it's like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go after Trayvon Diggs, you want to do a crossing route. You want to hit something like that. And that's as someone who's only watched Cowboys games, you know, I understand like I, I've watched a lot of this guy, but that's where his kind of weakness is, is like, you know, hitting on the crossing patterns and stuff. When you talk about the most, most uh, he's given up the most yards in coverage, that's kind of where a lot of his uh, plays have come. You don't hit him on a fade where he's allowed to uh, turn into a receiver, which is like his biggest strength. Like, it makes no sense to do that, and uh, and I feel like that's something where I was like, if you're going to go after a guy at all like that, and hey, credit to Heineke, he came back and just was like, he kept going at him, even the second yeah. drive, he went right after him again. Um, but it just, I, I don't know, it just didn't feel like that was like the smart thing to do. Riverboat Ron, dude, River Riverboat Ron strikes again. So you know, we've talked so much about like how teams, I think uh, the term blueprint's been thrown around a lot. How teams are like trying to figure out the Cowboys' offense. That's got me thinking a little bit because how do opposing teams now that the Cowboys have this dominant defense? How do opposing teams game plan against that defense? Like, what's the plan? What should Run Washington's plan been? That's what I was thinking immediately. They got Antonio Gibson back. It's got to be to have some semblance of a running game so that Parsons, Gregory, and Tank aren't just like. You know, we're up by three touchdowns. Now we know we're coming to sack you every play. It's got to be that. And that's... Yeah, yeah. if you can run the ball easy. against this team, which, I mean, that's, I would say, is their weakness on defense. We've seen it throughout this season. If you can find a team that 
is a playoff caliber team who can consistently run the ball, then that keeps the offense off the field. And also uh, we've seen them be able to churn, churn up some yards against this defense and keep the defense out there. And then it doesn't allow Demarcus Lawrence to pin his ears back and Randy Gregory and Micah as much. They have to, you're, you're more reactionary as opposed to when you get leads like this team does and you're playing that up-tempo offense like they did Sunday night, man, that allows those guys up front to pin their ears back and they can go downhill. They don't have to, they don't have to wait on anything you're going to do. Try and run it. We dare you. Like, you're not going to do that right now. But if it's their thing, like, I, like watching those games the other night, like watching what the Colts could do with Jonathan Taylor, like, yeah, that could present problems. Um, there, but yeah. there's other ways, obviously the Cowboys could make them pay, but that would be the way I'd say to somebody, if they asked me like, how do you beat this team? It's certainly run the ball well, and then take care of the ball. If you, if you, that's the thing too, if you're running it all the time and you're having success at it, you're not going to, you're going to have a far fewer opportunities for Trayvon Diggs to make a play like that. You're going to have far fewer opportunities for Demarcus Lawrence to jump back and tip up a ball to himself and make that crazy athletic play that we've seen now twice in the last three games between him and Randy Gregory, where they can really showcase their athleticism. Yeah. Can they showcase their athleticism in run defense? Sure. But it's such a grind and there isn't the excitement. Like there's, it's not the same as getting a run stop that f- gets you off the field on third down as it is intercepting a pass changing field position, getting the crowd into it, like making a highlight play like that. You take that out of the game when you're running the ball consistently. You're just wearing on a team and you're taking those those excitement plays out of it. Game flow, oh, go ahead, Todd. Well, no, I I was just going to say that that's kind of why Green Bay is such a recipe, I I think, a bad matchup because John mentioned two things, running the ball and taking care of the ball, like Aaron Rodgers will take care of it and uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones can run it. So, like, you know, they don't have all the receiving talents but they have the quarterback who will take care of the ball and can make plays, and then they have a running game as well. You know, and the, if the, the Cowboys were to play the Packers, I'd say they'd have to do the same thing against them. They'd have to run the ball well. Like you don't. Here's the thing: like you know, last night everybody's loving the up tempo, up tempo, up tempo. This is what they do so well. Amari's talking about after the game. So great. You gonna you're gonna go take that into a gunfight with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or even Matthew Stafford if they're clicking? Like you don't want them back on the field quickly if you go a quick you know, three and hour, let's say you even pick up a first down, but you're going up tempo, up tempo, up tempo. And then you have to go punt the ball back to them. And they, that's how you can go da- get downhill. And all of a sudden you just look at the scoreboard and you're down 14, nothing in the first quarter of a playoff game. And you're really starting to panic at that time. So yeah, that works against the Washington football team that can work against Mike Glennon that can work against Taysom Hill, but that is, it's going to be tough to do that consistently against a, like a team with Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford yeah. or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Well, especially if you had to go into Green Bay, the one cold weather place that you might have to go, like that's a tough to go sling it around in there if it's 20 degrees and all that stuff. The, the thing I, I would like to throw out is like, I still haven't seen outside of Denver, like you're talking about the, the, uh, the way you might attack this defense. You hit it around the head, John. The game in which the Cowboys have given up the most rushing yards was Denver. 190 rushing yards. Also, the Cowboys got no turnovers that game. Loss. The second most rushing yards, it's a little bit of an outlier. It's the Taysom Hill game with the Saints. But I do think that portion of that game, which I've mentioned four or five podcasts in a row now, where Taysom Hill takes a snap and plunges ahead for five yards, that was concerning and that jumped out to me. The, that they got 153 rushing yards. The third most rushing yards they gave up in a game was the Las Vegas game on Thanksgiving. The other thing that happened in that game, the Cowboys didn't get a turnover. So it's kind of clear. Like there, there it is right there. You kind of look at their losses. They got ran on pretty good against the Chiefs. Even uh, the Cowboys uh, gave up 126 yards on the ground, even though they got two turnovers. I mean, the only game that they didn't give a lot of rushing yards, the only loss was opening night against Tampa Bay. 
But I was, I was, I was kind of shocked that a team hasn't, and then it still hasn't happened. It really still hasn't, ha- hasn't happened. Because Denver never tries to like throw it around that much. Anyways, a team just said, you know what? We're going to run the ball in the Cowboys, and they're not going to stop us. The team hasn't tried to do that. You know, a team who did that is Cleveland did that to the number one seed in the NFC to Green Bay on Saturday and would have won the game, but they couldn't yeah. stop in, in uh, big-time situations taking it out of Baker's hand. If they would have done that, they win the game, and the Cowboys are your one seed right now, which I do think is very possible. Like, I think Green Bay could lose to Minnesota – who's going to be super desperate on Sunday night. And I can see the Cowboys walking all over the Cardinals, to be honest, because they're kind of a mess right now. You know, yeah. There's a lot of things up in the other where the Cowboys could still get the one seed, but I still haven't seen a team try to out-physical the Cowboys. And I think that's the one thing you might be able to do, although we can't prove it because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, the, the place where if everything goes the way that I think it will in the NFC playoff picture. There's a good chance they wouldn't see a team like that until they went to the Super Bowl because the, what you describe it there are a lot of those AFC teams, you know? Like yeah. that is really the bread and butter with Derrick Henry that got the Titans to where they are. Obviously, they don't have him right now, but that's what New England wants to do. That's what the Colts want to do. You know, there's a lot of that. You mentioned the Browns. If the, if you told me right now that the Browns were I didn't pay attention to them all season and you said that they were about to make the playoffs, which they're not, I would say it's because they're running the ball really well with Nick Chubb because that was has been their blueprint. But in the NFC, hey, 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 don't get me wrong. There's totally a possibility that Leonard Fournette can go off or James Conner or something like that. Or, you know, I guess Sony Michelle or something. There, there are, there are, they can obviously run the ball. They're good teams. But I look at what is that team's identity and all of those good NFC teams, it's all their quarterback. So I'll believe it when I see it. Obviously, that'll be their game plan going in to play the Cowboys. They'll be working on that. The Cowboys will be working on that same thing to go against those big arms that we got to be able to run the ball better than we have all season because we want to keep these guys off the field. We don't want to get in shootouts. You know, if we have to, we'll do that. We'll go up tempo. We'll do it. But we don't want to have to do that. That's not your game plan. Your game plan will not be, well, we're going to be going against Tom Brady. So we're going to have to get out there and start slinging it early because it's going to be the first one to 40. Like it can turn into that game as early as the first series, but that's not going to be your game plan going in. But it just, you look at the landscape of what's in the NFC, it's all big arms. Yeah, you know, another thing I, th- I want to point out right now, too, is the punt block last night. Um, for any time that we're ever hard on on Fossil, we should also give uh, give them credit. That was a very clean punt block. Chauncey Goldston recovers it for the touchdown. But the thing that jumps out at me more than any other Cowboys team that maybe even made the playoffs over the last 10, 15 years is that this team is decent in all three phases. We know that they're a good offensive team. Well, for the most part, we're still working on that, but we feel like we're a pretty good offensive team, and we've seen them be an elite offensive team. We know right now that they're a good defense. I mean, I'm telling you, I just I think they're the most dangerous team in the entire league because of what they can do defensively at this point. Let me Special cut you off because I want to add to that, yeah. KT, like on this point, because I feel like we, we struggle sometimes to give Mike McCarthy credit. That certainly has been his blueprint that, you know, so yes. it, obviously you have to execute it, but he has always wanted to be that way. I thought his best quote last night was when he was talking about, you know, ask, a- answering questions about basically the offense looking the best that it has in a while. And he was basically saying how, you know, I've had the number one offense in the league in Green Bay, and that didn't mean anything. Like if you aren't able to play well on defense and then on special teams, like, yeah, that's great. You can win a lot of games. You can win. You can go 15 and one, but 
once you get in the playoffs, those are a lot of things that are eventually going to send you home because every week that you advance, you're facing another team that's not going to do the exact same things that the last team did. So you're going to have to show up in different ways. And so that's certainly a credit to McCarthy because that's that's been his blueprint this entire time. Now, you, you can say most coaches will say that, but we've watched this team for a while. That hasn't always been the case, like you said. No, no, absolutely. And I just want to say this too, while I'm, while I'm giving him credit. While you're throwing bouquets? Well, you kind of am right now, right? Keep him out of tight in-game coaching situations and keep him out of difficult questions after losses. There's not a lot about Mike McCarthy you'll find out that you don't like, right? I like that he took Dak out of the game. I did too. I, I, you I know, Maybe he learned his lesson from Denver. Maybe it's just like, okay, he's hurt. And maybe it's just like Washington might start playing dirty. I mean, there's so many bad things that could have happened. I would have taken him out earlier, but I, I, the, I was kind of surprised that he took him out in the third quarter because I you thought he was going to let him go a little longer. I'll go yeah. down. I'll go down negative town real quick. I mean, okay, here he goes. Don't you start have to, the car? Don't you have to at least you know get some get some reps in there for your backup quarterback in the COVID world we live in right now? Like you might need dude, your backup quarterback. So, dude, <laughs> that is dark. But you're right. The Cowboys are like one of the teams whose quarterback. Hey, you can say COVID it's dark. Yet. I'll tell you it's reality. I mean, if you want to keep yeah. your blinders on one NFL team, that's fine. But look across this league. I mean, you don't know from week to week. I don't care if it's guys that have had COVID who haven't. Like, it's not even about, like, getting sick and, and, and things like that. I'm saying that if he tests positive and you can't play, then you have to – what do you – yeah, we're not going to play. We're going to forfeit our playoff game. You know, like, you need to have your next guy up ready to go. And for a lot of these teams, you've seen it where they need to have their third, fourth guy ready to go. You know, look at the Ravens, you know. And I know there's, there's a few other teams, but I'm just saying, like, you you better get some reps for your backup when you get an opportunity because that player might be called on. So uh, Rodgers has had it. Has uh, Brady? No. Kyler? Brady's no. Had, I think Brady's had COVID, but I don't think he's, like, missed games there. And, the, like, I don't think he's yeah, he had any off the season. season. Yeah, yeah, he had in the offseason. So there's a 90-day period, allegedly, about immunity, though, right? Right, right. Uh, I, I don't know, man. That's what they think. I don't know on the, on the whole, like testing positive thing that's the thing like there's people that test positive that don't have any symptoms at all and so I, now i know that they're trying to change that in the nfl with their yeah uh, you know if you're not you're not going to have to test unless you feel you know like you have symptoms and things like that but just you just never know like it just and and, and it needs to be mentioned because it's a major part of the game right now because key players are missing the game because of, sure. of these things, you know? I mean, well, it obviously affected Washington. Now, there were Cowboys guys on, on the COVID list that missed this game. You know, Malik Hooker was one, Tristan Hill. Um, but I, Jordan I think Lewis. that... Yeah, Jordan Lewis. We had Lewis some good gone. tweets last night. Jordan Lewis was on fire on Twitter last night. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, so. my God, man. He had some t- tweets like he was like, he was telling him to like lay down. And then like after the Cowboys scored again, he was like, oh, my God, get up. <laughs> it was like <laughs> making fun of Washington. And someone said, uh, this must be personal. And he posted a picture of Antonio Gibson waving at him last year yeah. when Antonio Gibson on Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. was waving at him when he was running to the end zone. He posted that picture. It does kind of give you a vibe that this was kind of personal for the Cowboys after what happened to them on Thanksgiving Day last year. Um no, no, what I was going to say, though, is like Omicron's different. Like it could change things. But my understanding is it's a 90 day immunity, for, uh, you know, after after you get air test positive. And I'm not just the, talking the, quarterback either. I'm talking about you get Malik Turner, all these guys. Like you get yeah. them reps because you might need them because they might have to play in a big, big game, you know? Well, all you know, the we, guys that you're going to have to go through outside of Aaron Rodgers have had it. I mean, I haven't had it. Aaron Rodgers is the only one that's had it. 
from a quarterback perspective. Unless you want to throw Taysom Hill into the mix. And I don't. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We talk about wanting a team to peak at the right time, you know, headed into the playoffs. What a loss to Arizona and maybe a, a loss in the last week to Philadelphia. Would that concern you guys at all? Given yeah, how they've played the past few weeks, I'll be honest with you, it wouldn't. As long as uh, the the number one thing that to me matters from this point on, from where they're at, uh, they're not going to get any worse than the fourth fourth seed. I'll I, if if I'm coaching that team, I'm like, give me two losses right now. If I if yeah, I can trade it for a fully healthy team going in the playoffs. Yeah, literally don't Same. care about that stuff. Yeah. I want as long I want as everybody's healthy. I want yeah. all my weapons available for for my biggest fights i don't i don't care if that means that i lose a couple games before that when they matter and it's winner go home if i can be the healthiest team and again they've had this several weeks now where that's been a huge benefit for them uh like they get out of this game where they had uh let's see dalton schultz seems like he's going to be okay uh you know he didn't he didn't have to leave the game after he took that big hit right before halftime and then uh there was only one other injury i think it was Francis Bernard, Bernard had, yeah, yeah, he had to leave the game. But other than that, I mean, they got out of there pretty healthy. Those are the keys right now because you just, again, it's not just even the COVID. It's just you see so many of these other teams dealing with the injuries right now, particularly Tampa Bay and and uh, Arizona to, you know, key big-time receivers like that. You know, to be as healthy as the Dak even mentioned it after the game, to be as healthy as he is right now comparatively to what he sees across the league, you know, they're thrilled with that. So, I mean, you can lay an egg against Arizona, and I'm sitting here and I, and I would be like, yeah, so do you not think you're better than Arizona? They lost to the Lions a few weeks. I mean, seriously, like, why would that matter to me? Get me healthy, full, as healthy as possible in the playoffs? I think I got a chance against anybody. Yeah, and I think I think also like you know we like to always uh, ride the narrative of like getting hot at the right time and and look of course you want to go into the playoffs you know with a whatever they would have what it would be like a six game winning streak or whatever if they won the last two like you'd love to have that no doubt and and we look at Tampa Bay last year and look that's how a lot of Tom Brady led teams Patriots or Bucks like have always been but at the same time like I said this before on the podcast as well go look at the two thousand eight. Arizona Cardinals who got blown out in week 16 by the Patriots in the snow and then you know just turned it on in the playoffs and went all the way to the Super Bowl and were once Antonio Holmes catch away from from possibly winning that thing so there's not one script you don't have to be riding into the playoffs hot but you do have to be riding into the playoffs healthy I'll tell you a team I don't want to play and I know they just got beat on Thursday night I don't want to play San Francisco I like if we're talking yeah. about like those teams. Like I, I, th- yeah. I think I think we're in a world right now where I think uh, next week could change things. But uh, we're talking about Rams, Cowboys, Bucks, and Packers as the top four. San Francisco is the one of those teams. Like the Eagles don't worry me at all. The Saints at all. You start talking about the or the Vikings don't really worry me. I mean, they beat the Vikings with Cooper Rush me a little bit. Yeah, and that's where you play Cooper Rush and beat them again with Cooper Rush. <laughs> really <laughs> give Dak a rest. I mean, that's, that's the biggest to strategy. me. To me, that's the biggest win of the year. Was that Cooper Rush win after the bye week? 
That was pretty incredible. Um, but like San Francisco is the one team I do think will actually try to stick to their guns and like pound it. And then you got to deal with. Why would they do that, KT? Because no one's done it before. Besides Denver. No, that's not why. Oh, because their quarterback's not good. I was going to say, give them a good quarterback, and we'll see if they keep. They want to stick to that. Tell, tell, Again, tell I, Kyle, tell Kyle to keep I, running the football. If you gave him a really good quarterback, we'll see how that works. Like, quarter- he had Matt Ryan get an MVP season. Just give him something that is even adequate. He ain't going to be running the ball like that. He'll run the ball, but it ain't going to be like that. He has to run the ball like that right now. Their quarterback's not great, but he's he's just, he's got that whole bit where if he would just avoid staring at you into your eyes. About three times a game, he'd be fine. But about three times a game, he wants to look at a linebacker and throw it right to his chest. It's just a weird thing. It's it's his fetish, I guess. It's that whole Jimmy G are we, thing. Are we putting the Trey Lance in the uh, he he probably sucks category with Jordan Love now? I don't. No. Or are we just waiting? I don't, I don't know. He's gotten a shot yet. I don't yeah. think he's gotten yeah. a true shot yet. They're but those waiting. are those are big coin flips. Those are yep. big coin flips. You know, I, I was thinking though, like, John, you were talking about how do you fix the division? There's a story came out yesterday that the Giants are, are not fixed the division, but like how, how it could be easy for the Cowboys moving forward. The story came out yesterday that the Giants are bringing back uh, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, most likely, which I heard for the first time on our last episode of About Them Cowboys when our buddy Dalton Miller was just started talking about, oh, yeah, they're coming back. The Eagles like Jalen Hurts. Okay, if you want to do the Jalen Hurts bet for a few years, that's fine. But that's not a 10 or 15-year quarterback career right there. And then Washington, whatever. I started thinking about, okay, Russell Wilson, they're about to blow that thing up. Like, there's a there's a lot of things that are very unsettled when it comes to, to quarterbacks. There's a lot of teams who are kind of biting time. Like, man, it's, it's still about once a month. I'll just go, man, Deshaun Watson's actually on an active – or he's actually on a roster still. Like, nothing's happened with that story, but he's still there. It's just kind of crazy – how many quarterbacks are like, I don't know, just everything could change very quickly, I guess is what I'm saying. All it would take is a bold stroke by someone yeah. in the division to kind of tight, tighten things up a little bit. It, well, on all those teams that and, run the ball. Russell end up in the NFC East next year. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely, but yeah, it would make it, would make it things would change very quickly. But no, yeah. I mean, the when you mentioned San Francisco, it goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast about those a- AFC teams, the way that they play. And it's because of, you know, uh, they run the ball better than the teams that typically the Cowboys have seen this year or what they'd seen in the playoffs. But do you think it's because the owner goes to the GMs like, we're going to be a hard-nosed run-the-ball team? Yeah. Or is it because they have Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones and Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz as their quarterbacks? Like, you give one of those teams Rodgers— like he wants to leave Green Bay. You think that they're going to be like, no, Aaron, if you want to come down here to Nashville, we run the ball around here. Nope. They'll be slinging it all over the yard, too. It's it's kind of it's your necessity. I mean, it's what do you have? What can what can you do? This is what we have to this after. I mean, if you're the Colts, like Carson Wentz is, is fine. But you'd also probably are a little bit nervous about just absolutely throwing it on him to like, hey, go out there and win us these ball games. By the way, that's exactly the situation the Cowboys were in in 2016 as well. So, like, you know, you kind of seen it around here as well, where when you yeah. have a quarterback that's a little limited or you don't that you think is a little limited at the moment, um, you do ride the running game harder than, than you need to. And how many of those teams go on and win the Super Bowl? Right. Well, it's, it's very rare, but they Jimmy get to Garopp- the Super Bowl. Jimmy but how many of them win it? Jimmy Garoppolo was in one and. Honestly, Kaepernick was in one. Like that team wasn't flinging it all the time. They were trying to run the ball. No, no, I mean to win it though. 
I mean, yeah. that wins Super Bowls. No, you're right. No, the cream right. usually rises at the top. Hey, let me throw out that Jared Goff Super Bowl for you right there, too, if you want, want some of that. Um, well, see, I was thinking about the tightening of the division. The thing is, the Giants specifically and the Eagles have a lot of inventory to, to make a bold stroke from, from in terms of draft picks. Actually. That's what I was saying. You're thinking about essentially three te- I mean, depending on Washington, essentially three teams – That'll probably be in the market for a starting quarterback of the like, NFC. <laughs> like, I think I think Russ is garbage. But if you were like the Giants have the five and eight pick right now, the Eagles have fourteen, nineteen, and then probably somewhere in the twenties. Like, would you do that for? Would you give up fourteen, nineteen, and twenty three for Deshaun Watson if uh, it turned out that he was fully like you dropped the case? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't even think twice if yeah I mean if all that stuff gets cleared and I mean I guess he could still face suspension or whatever like that but you're not you're not making a move like that because it's just about this next season you're making it because it's yeah. about your future but yeah if he was completely cleared I, I don't know it seems that that would be tough for that to happen but if that happened in your hypothetical scenario yes when you think twice enough on those guys screw it uh, is there anything else we need to talk about, John, from the game that jumped out? To what you? did Jerry? You were, did you talk to Jerry after game. the game? Uh, no, Ger- no, Jerry. After the game, I kind of felt bad for Mike McCarthy because he came to the press conference room and we were all outside waiting for Jerry. So <laughs> Rich, Rich, Rich Dalrymple had to come and get us. I kind of felt bad, but it's like this is just what we do. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you talk to Mike McCarthy every day, though. You know, Mike McCarthy. No, but good. he. Yeah, but as the head coach, you know he has talked like you. Like Jerry, even though we get him a lot, doesn't mean we get him every time. So you know, after a win like that, you know maybe oh, yeah. maybe you get him to take a shot uh, at the benches. 56. Maybe get him. Yeah. Maybe get him <laughs> get to take a shot at Dan Snyder or yep. something like that. Make fun of his height or something, you know, and that's the stuff that really, really goes, you know. Uh, uh, I'm personally excited for the RG3 book about the Washington franchise that's going to come out. Yeah, apparently it's not a lot about football. It's about more of the organization, which excites me even more. than like I don't want to hear the RG3 flop story. I want to hear the RG3 hanging out in Washington's building story. (laughs) But Kent, don't you think it'll be one of those type of things where it's like, yeah, you you enjoy reading it because it kind of just backs up things that you were thinking anyway. Like it's not going to like blindside you. Right? No, no, there won't be anything in there that's like what. Yeah, but it'll just be we, like, we, well, oh yeah, yeah. We think. not surprising. Not, not I wanted surprising to go full Scotty Pippen and just start taking shots. <laughs> yeah, see, uh. but do you want to go full Scotty Pippen to where it's like, uh, uh, Scotty? Uh, yeah, this sounds great. I know you're selling books, but like, we have TVs. We watched a lot of this stuff. Like you weren't. No, you weren't that good. Like you were a good player, but like you're not as good as you're saying you were. Like now you're. When you take, what I'm just saying, when you take it to a certain level, you're just kind of like, it's all of a sudden that one where you're just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna get my things and get out of here. It's starting to get to where like I can't. You 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 say it's like it's like you're gonna say ten things. And the first three or four are like real provocative, and you're like, this could be interesting. Let's hear where he's going. And then by five, six, and seven, you're like. Oh, yeah, let's get our stuff. This is getting silly now. Like, it just, like, so it takes away from the validity of it, you know? Yeah. So uh, yeah. I don't want it to go quite that far. You can stay underneath that without getting to the level where, you know, and, and this has become popular with a lot of documentaries, especially in sports, where, you're like, it start they start saying things, and you're just like, did that really happen? Like, this isn't the fearless four horsemen. I always use this example all the time with writing. I'm like, this isn't the fearless four horsemen where it's like, only so many people saw it happen so it like you lean on like the writing of the word of uh, the description of it it's like this is the dallas cowboys 
everybody watched that game last night that that is going to read your game story trust me so try and twist it in a way that makes it more interesting because they that game like last night like everybody got to see that like you're not gonna you know please don't come at me with like some magical thing Uh that happened it's like no we saw it we what we all watched it John gets religious on this Christmas episode of About Them Pod- uh, Cowboys. About Them Podcast. Uh, you know, people aren't talking enough about CTE and basketball, too. I mean, that needs to be talked about, and I think Scotty's suffering from that. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to say was, would, were there like two people in there with McCarthy? Or No, we all went in there. Uh, no, oh, like when he, when he first got on stage, oh. was it just, just David Moore sitting in there by himself? Or what's his name? The... Uh, Guy from like East Texas that always asks, yep. doesn't ask questions, but he just says something. He's like, Mike, good game today. Hey, is that a question? Hey, hey, none. Oh, no one. He, in, was like, he didn't he know was East Texas there. guy. He was standing there and I was like, oh, whoa. Because I don't think that anybody knew. I will say this too. There is a part of you that like, so you try and time these things up because where you're standing you're also thinking that because they're celebrating winning the NFC East, that it's probably going to take longer. So he's not going to be there right away. So yeah. you're like, oh, we'll wait out here a little bit longer. Because here's the thing. Like, anybody listening to this, let me let me cue you in on, on how this goes. Like, you might sit there and be like, what were you doing out there? Whatever. Doing my job. If my competition is all out there getting Jerry Jones and I'm going to get the Mike McCarthy that's going to be transcribed by the team and handed out to everybody, so they're all getting that too? Like, sometimes in our game... We're just playing defense. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. So you're so, you, you don't want to miss out on that to then get this because you're not. No one's handing out a transcription from the team about all the wild stuff Jerry said. Number one, number two. When Mike goes to the podium, you know it's going to be cut off at a certain period of time, and that's it. That's over. When you're with Jerry Jones, this is what happens. Ten people are around him. Oh, it looks like it's dying down. Uh, this is about over. Walk away. Three people stay with him. That goes for another 15 minutes. Those two leave, two other come back, and who knows what kind of wild stuff can be said there. You don't want to miss out on that, and there's no clock on how long it'll be. With Mike McCarthy and, and Dak and whoever comes to the podium, you know that it's going to – Jerry could talk for 30 minutes. You know that yeah. that's never going to happen. And then the other thing is that it's just different when you're talking with somebody like one-on-one as opposed to someone standing on a podium. Like your answers are way different. Like I've told you guys before, I mean, we've had these Fridays where everything's off the record with Mike McCarthy – Trust me, it's a lot different than what he's saying on the podium, you know? Sounds like uh, Rich needs to fix this shit. Well, yeah, <laughs> M- McCarthy didn't even have the lady there that was doing, running a story on New Year's resolutions. Fix this shit, Rich? <laughs> I mean, I feel like he would have gave an answer after a big he, he, win like that, he, right? He, he didn't, but because you said lady, I have to share this story because I'm sure some people will enjoy it. Uh, so after Mike McCarthy, <laughs> Demarcus Lawrence goes on the podium, and he talks for probably about six or seven minutes. And as he's leaving... So the way the press conference room is, is that on one wall, it is the Miller Light Club. So there's fans there. So there's been some times where like when Dak has talked after a big win and he's played really well, like where they're pounding on the glass, like it's loud over there. Like you're, I mean, they're getting rowdy. You can tell that the cocktails have been flowing for several hours, even before the game started. Well, <laughs> there were people on like by the glass or whatever like that. And <laughs> Marcus Lawrence gets done. He goes walking off and this girl just <laughs> lifts up her top. Oh, <laughs> and, and I'm just like, wow. Surprised that hasn't happened before. I'm like, to it's, getting wild. it's getting wild in the Miller Lite Club. So when he's trying to leave to go to this door to get back to the locker room, it's, it's like, locked. how do I get out there? No. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> locked. No, 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 no. It's locked. So he starts coming back towards us to talk to us. And as he turns back around, 
she does it again. And I'm oh. just like, it is getting wild in that Miller Lite Club. So, yeah, fans loved the win last night. Dude, NFC East champions. That's what happens now. It's, <laughs> these aren't your Jason Garrett's Cowboys now. Things are a bit wilder now with McCarthy. Do they have a nickname for the defense yet, John? Like, this is the best defense they've ever had, and it's the one that they're not trying to nickname themselves something? The Big D. Yeah. Um, no? Well, the hot okay. boys. I, well, if anybody will, it'll be oh, Micah okay. Parsons because he always has something clever to you say. You should ask him that this week. Ask him in the a press Lions. conference. Ask him like, yeah, if they have a, if they've nicknamed themselves anything. Yeah, Sad's got it. It'll be something lion related. Lions. Di- that's no, it doesn't. No, no, that's for the Detroit Lions. They need to come up with something. Creative <laughs> yeah, do you here. want that, Micah? Be careful with what you're saying here. Yeah, you don't want that. Hey, you're the pros now, buddy. No one's like, yeah, you don't. You don't want to. It's different now. This like, isn't the, is the Nittany lines at this level. Uh, I, they do need to come up with something. It, yeah, Hot Boys needs to be discarded. Should have actually never happened. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, that uh, worked out. San Fran, remember when they tried to take it? Uh, they, they just called themselves it. the Hot like, Boys. I would, I would literally be like, yeah, <laughs> just did that. it's all yours. Yeah. That was that was just a different time. I mean, Taco. That, that, that was a defense that. You know, for the, like that was like the better part of, or it was not the better part of the past decade, where it was like it was always the offense was what this team was built around, and, and this team was going to go as the offense goes. And this is the first time in the in the past decade where you really do have a defense where you're like, well, if they want to hand out nicknames, yeah, the doomsday. I mean, it's worth, yeah, yeah. You can do something like that because they back it up, and you know that they can win ball games for you. So, uh, yeah, look out, Kyler. Know. But it's also you don't want to force anything either because then it just sounds cheesy. Yes, that's what uh, I mean. It's an organic never. one going around, and that'd be good. Yeah, not 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 yet. Yeah, they need to get in the writers' room and get that figured out before the playoffs. It'll be so. Micah though. He's he thinks about these things a lot. He comes up with some real clever stuff. I don't know if how you about, saw that how about, yesterday. How about we them boys? Oh, I didn't ever even thought. Do yeah. you think they've thought about something? I don't like that? think that's, so. That's uh, wild. Big, though I think that's a song. <laughs> yeah, that would be. So maybe something where you maybe you bring the the, the coordinator into it. They all love Dan Quinn. Uh, hey, by the way, it, it teams can start to uh, reach out to interview yeah. assistant coaches. Yeah, you think somebody uh, might want to be reaching out to him? That'll probably I would be imagine that's probably going to happen, right? And I I don't think it's far fetched to say that Kellen either. I know that's kind of a flipped narrative from if two months ago. Sure. But if you're in the in the in the mindset for a defensive minded guy, would you look at Dennis Allen too? With what he did uh, without Sean Payton against the uh, Bucks. Yeah, if you and tell me right now, you're like, John Mashoda. Yeah, if you're telling me that I'm the GM of a new expansion team or any team, really, you just tell me I uh, we need a we need a new coach. Generally speaking, if you have a new coach, you're probably not that great of a team at the time. Uh, I just I'm taking Dan Quinn over Dennis Allen because as a head coach, I've seen what he can do, and yeah, there were. The back end of Atlanta wasn't great, but he got them to a Super Bowl. Probably should have won that Super Bowl. Uh, at least I've seen that. I, and then on top of it, what he's doing with a Cowboys defense that obviously hasn't been anywhere near this level for the last decade. I think, I, I, I don't know, I'm leaning towards that. But yeah, no, he would, he'll would he be in the mix. But uh, yeah. I, I know it generates like storylines and stuff, but I, I got to say it's like, from like if you're like following a team that's in the playoffs, I kind of hate the idea of teams even being allowed to talk to you. Like I always yeah, think it stupid. sucks. Like, but it's good for storylines and it keeps teams that are out of it 
in the mix, and that's college football did that. Like, here's bowl season, but here's a, what's the biggest story? Yeah, had coaches leaving, by the way. It's yeah. coaches leaving. Like, and I realize you can't like have coaches leaving yet, but like the idea of like reaching out to interview someone. Like, there's already like Byron Leftwich to the Jag smoke, and I got to be honest. I don't like that. If I'm a Buccaneers fan, I'm like, well, I don't want my offensive coordinator thinking about anything else. Well, right and especially now. with a guy that hasn't been a head coach before, you'd be yeah. nervous that he's going to, it's like, it's not just the, oh, you only get a 30 minute call or an, it's what kind of, how much pre- preparation are you putting in this? Because you're looking at this, like, this might be my only chance at a head coaching job. I need to study like what this team does, where its weaknesses what are, stuff do. like that. Yeah. I will say though, I don't get that impression at all that Dan Quinn will be doing that. I don't either. And, but like, remember Kellen in the Boise State job interview? Yeah. Like, hey, he put together a, 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 uh, you know, he prepared for it. He put together a presentation. You know, like, I mean, it's probably a lot of going up and drawing on a board and all that stuff. But like, they, you do put time into it. And yeah. these guys have agents, you know, so it's not like they're just like willy nilly. Like, this, this is all happening. So, uh, I would love to just have like a Dan Quinn or a Kellen Moore quote of like, Especially Dan Quinn, I think, because he's probably the hotter name at this point, which sounds crazy to say, just given what we were talking about in October. But like, I would love to say, well, no, nah, that, that's for that's for later. We're going to finish the season and then we'll. Start that's what he'll say because Callen said that earlier in the year. That that's what they'll they'll both say that for sure. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're. I mean, they're still locked in. It doesn't mean like you can, like you can do multiple things. It just like it always just makes me feel better. I always feel like. I've just seen it too much in college of guys like it always seems like, well, that team was distracted, clearly. But in college, their coach will straight up leave, even if they're contending to be in the college football playoffs. Um, anything Kelly. else you would like to, you guys would like to hit on? Um, we've got basically, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I have like three things that I think mm-hmm. worth mentioning. One, especially off of this game, one, got to acknowledge Terrence Steele catching the touchdown. That was pretty cool um, yes. for a big boy touchdown. Um, number two, Kelvin Joseph had a really good game and you know, like for Jordan Lewis to be out and Kelvin Joseph to step up the way he did, I thought, you know, there, there was a player too, where I think he, if he had an interception, he'd be talked about a little bit more. Um, but he had a really good game as well. And then number three for me, Micah Parsons, I I know we talk about him every week, but for him in the fourth quarter to hit a half spin move, hit the fake spin, and 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 almost get home like to me that 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 goes a long way in a in a couple of in a couple of ways because one that that tells you that this guy's motor is just nonstop because he's in the fourth quarter of a blowout and he's still trying to get home and two it just tells you how much that he's actually listening and and uh and you know in the lab if you will just because that's something that you know DeMarcus Ware or he's watching Dwight Freeney film or something like that because that you know those things have happened in the past with those Hall of Fame type guys. So um, I, I think all three of those things is something um, that that's worth mentioning. And then also on Trayvon Diggs, like you know he had a great game, and I think Trayvon Diggs, like I've always been reluctant to call him like a shutdown corner or anything like that. He's not Darrell Revis. I've always kind of said, even on the podcast, that he kind of reminds me more of like New England Asante Samuel, um, who like, you know, is a big play corner, can t- can make those big plays, um, but is also going to give up some stuff because he's a gambler. And I think you saw a little bit of everything with Trayvon Diggs uh, last night as well. So um, all those things I think are worth mentioning just because those are those were all pretty big factors in the game as well. 
I didn't realize no, I, that that Trevon was a receiver going into Alabama too. They were talking about that last night on the broadcast. That makes so much sense <laughs> with why he's yeah, such no, a good, so good in space and 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 you know lo- locating the ball at the high point and all that kind of stuff. I I love the guy uh, uh, personally, but you know there's a there's a lot of feedback about not signing or making an attempt to uh, you know sign Byron Jones. And you kind of look at mm-hmm. the year that he's had in Miami, and I just kind of go, man, yeah, dead dodged a bullet there. Uh, and you got that that covered up. I, I'm gonna throw a couple of observations too. I think I'm glad you mentioned Kelvin Joseph, and I did think Anthony Brown, like knowing that he could slide down into the slot at any given time, is a good thing. And I thought he was decent. Uh, obviously, there wasn't much happening offensively for Washington, anyways, to, to really go off of. But knowing that you have that, just adding another you know piece of depth in case someone got hurt or something like that, it's awesome. Yeah, too, and by I, the way, on that, like that's kind of how he broke into the Cowboys. Remember, Orlando Scandal yeah. got hurt, and uh, and that's how Anthony Brown and Anthony Brown, by the way, at Purdue played outside corner. So you know, mm-hmm. like that's just uh, yeah, I, I think that that's you're right. That's that's a great thing that he's able to do that. I also think a small piece of the offense that we don't give a lot of love to. Um, but like having Cedric Wilson back, made a couple catches there. And then Malik Turner, I think, like you get an opportunity and then you come and make a big play. I think that's always great to see. So just a couple things right there that kind of, you know, they're not like uh, big time burning, uh, you know, things to talk about. But I think that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, the um, Trayvon Diggs thing real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great if you're this, you know, really good cover corner. Uh, you don't get a lot of takeaways, but you got a real nice PFF, great. Cool. That's good for you. Great. And and every team needs those guys, and, and you'd love to have them. But at the same time, just getting off the field is not the same as making those game-changing plays. So yeah. uh, it's just funny because you even mentioned the Byron Jones thing because I was just thinking about, like, I was always like, hey, I don't know if you're going to pay for that. And then had people tell me in the organization that, that yeah, it's just not the takeaways just aren't there. Like, I look at Trayvon Diggs, and I'm just like, this organization doesn't pay DBs. Watch them pay this DB. Yeah, they'll uh, pay absolutely. turnovers. They'll pay for turnovers. So I feel like they tell want me, to pay tell Byron. Me, tell me about can. his. Tell me about his PFF grade when he gets uh, and when he's that becomes the highest paid corner in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and you do pay for turnovers exactly. Um, all right, well, look, we've uh, we've covered what was a fifty six. Oh yeah, one more, one more observation. Let's give it to the birthday boy, Greg Zerline, eight for eight on extra points. Yeah, there we go. Let's get that percentage up, big time. Also, also, let's give, it to, hey, let's give it to John Mashota, who was looking dapper on TV after the <laughs> game, too. So What? The, where was John on TV? Were you on NBC5, oh, John? John? Yeah. yeah, John was NBC5 oh. looking looking dapper. So. Shout out to Pat Doney. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick. Yep, yep, yep. Good times. Good times. The great Pat Doney and John Mashota having a suit off. Yep, yep, yep. Nice of you to donate your time to Doney. Uh, <laughs> He's a good man. All right, that's probably a sign that we should shut this thing down. Once you start talking about how great of a person Pat Doney is, that means you're out of content because we it's all a great know Pat person. Doney's a great one guy. of the best people. Had to, had to get that gra- in there. One of the greatest people in the world. And if we start mentioning that, you're just kind of being redundant. So shout yeah. out to you, Pat, again, and we'll end it. <laughs> uh, we'll be back later in the week because we got to get you ready for the fight in Cliff Kingsbury's. Yes, that's right. Cliff's trying to get that offense figured out, kind of like Kellen's been doing for the last two months. <laughs> Cliff, um, Cliff Kingsbury's sounds like a fruit. I don't know why. It just it, <laughs> weird when hey, what flavor is that? It's Kingsbury. Um, so, Cliff we re- Kingsbury. We really need to go. 
Kingsbury. Yeah, all right. Fu- like uh, Kingsbury. I got two hours of sleep right now. I, I yeah, he's running on fumes. It's Father John Mashoda who got shockingly religious in this episode. We apologize for all, <laughs> for all that. Happy holidays, everyone. For uh, Saad Youssef, the star's getting back in action. Make sure you're following his work on The Athletic as well. And for our producer, Kent Garrison. We'll be back later in the week to get you ready for Arizona. I'm KT. This has been the latest edition of About Them Cowboys. How about y'all fix this shit, bitch?